to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose and our series, uh, Parables and Object Lessons. And uh, Susan, before we get started, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in Heaven, we thank you once again for uh, a new day to uh, talk about your principles and the the way you operate your kingdom. And Lord, we just pray that you will send your spirit to guide and to direct our words and our thoughts and to be with everyone listening. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, last time we talked about seed and growth, and uh, this time we're going to talk about leaven and... Mm -hmm. uh, but you know what? It's interesting because they're, they are very similar. We're, you know, Jesus uses the principle of the physical world to teach us about growth. And, you know, we talk about planting a seed in someone's heart and hoping it grows. And mm-hmm. Paul talks about we plant the seed and, and, you know, I planted a seed, Apollo watered or whatever, and Apollos watered and, and the Lord grew it, though. And so, um, you know, using the physical world... Uh, we can look around us all the time and see wonderful things growing. Well, and I think that we can see that in our own lives as well. We can, um, you know, we're all growing. I'm growing older. And, you know, it, it just, you know, you see a baby and, and they grow from one stage to the next yeah. or a little boy and, and he becomes, you know, a young teenager or whatever. And so um, I think that's the, you know, when there there is no more growth, there's death. You know, that's absolutely right. You know, we were talking the other night about how when we see a um, someone like a recovering alcoholic or a recovering addict, and they start out as a little babe in Christ, but then they're packing around this brain that knows everything about them, that their past, their history, and it's like this big monster mm-hmm. that, that they, all their memories and all that kind of stuff. And you, you wonder what a miracle it is that that little babe in Christ can survive the attacks, mm-hmm. you know, because I know my brain attacks me. Right. It just brings up, it brings up at the most inopportune times the ugly things that I've done, you know, and, 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 and the miracle of how just someone that turns that 180, and it's what we're going to talk about, like unto leaven, as the stuff grows, somehow it continues to grow. Right, and, I, and what caught me with what you just said was that um, talking about the attacks and how do we withstand that, because the attacks are, are not only, um, you know, they're from within, from our own minds, but they're also from without. You know, there's always forces that are trying to, to come in and to drag us down. And I think that sometimes if we can step back and and realize that we don't fight against flesh and blood, that there's yeah. other things going on beyond our, our vision and our and our control, um, you know, sometimes we need to recognize and then Jesus of course or or God tells the children of Israel, the battle is not stand still, or the battle's not yours, it's mine. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, we're all caught up in that battle, whether it's inside our mind or outside mm-hmm. with the physical or non-physical world where we struggle. And, and I think that's a really good thing to remember when we come across people that we never understand the battle of another person, yeah. what they're going through and the struggle that they have. And to always um, be mindful of that when we meet people or mm-hmm. when we um, deal with you know, difficult people or not difficult people that people struggle. Maybe they're difficult for a reason. Yeah. That yeah. life is life is a struggle. It's a battle yeah. and that everybody is, you know, everybody's participating in it, some better than others. And yeah. to be a helper instead of a uh, you know, somebody that um um, a finger pointer, just pointing the yeah. finger and f- picking out what's wrong with everybody right, else. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, be a to, positive influence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, today's program is based on Matthew thirteen thirty three and Luke thirteen twenty and 21. You know, and as, as Jesus went about, there were many, you know, and he had his following, of course, but among the Pharisees, of course, there was many educated and influential men that uh, that also came to hear Jesus and I'm sure that they were quite curious, uh, this following this guy had. Right. You can stop and you can think about the crowd, and you had everybody from the lowest to the highest. Right? Yeah. You had um, poor people, literate people, beggars, um, people who were sick, people who were maimed. You had businessmen. You had uh, rich. You had poor. And they were probably all in this big, huge crowd um, jostling against each other, all wanting to hear the words of this um, savior that had come to bring these words that they had never heard before, yeah, and all trying to figure out the angle. You yeah, know, you what's got these going jealous on. Pharisees. You know, they're checking out the crowd. They might even ask themselves, you know, who composes the king of God? Is it these pe- kingdom of God? Is it these people? You know, and once again, and, and this is as we studied before, Jesus answers their thoughts with a parable. Right, and this is the parable: the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took, and she hid three measures of it into the meal until the whole bread was leavened. With the Jews, leaven was sometimes considered as an emblem of sin. At the time of the Passover, the people were asked to remove all the leaven from their houses just as they were to put away sin from their hearts. Yeah, you know, and remember Christ, uh, he, he warned his disciples, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, that's Luke 12, 1. And the Apostle Paul speaks of the leaven of malice and wickedness, and that's 1 Corinthians 5, 8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to go on and we're going to um, see the different uses of right. leaven because it can it can be a good growth or bad growth. But in the parable that, we, that we're talking about, what does the leaven represent? It's the kingdom of heaven. See, in this particular parable, it illustrates the life-giving, growing, developing and assimilating power of the grace of God. Right. And we all have to remember, like we were talking about at the beginning of the program, that no one is so vile, no one has fallen so low as to be beyond the working of this power. It's a new principle of life that can be implanted to anyone who submits themselves to the Holy Spirit. The lost image of God can be restored in anyone. You know, and what you're saying is so true. Uh, if you think about Psalm 51, David mm-hmm. wrote that after he sinned with Bathsheba, after he killed Uriah. You know, we've said time and time again on his program, it's not about David or Moses or Solomon or any of those guys. It's what God can do with those guys after they messed their lives up. Right. 
you know, and and I, those stories are there. So where a man that was capable of murdering someone and committing adultery with his wife can write something so beautiful as Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O Lord, renew a right spirit within me, purge me with hyssop so I can be clean. He, all of a sudden, he has this desire inside the heart to be cleansed, you know? and But he also understands that he can't transform himself by the exercise of his will. Man doesn't possess any power in himself to change. Just as the leaven, something from the outside, must be put into the meal before the change can happen, so the grace of God must be received by the sinner before the change can happen. Absolutely, because the renewing energy must come from God. That's right. We don't have it in ourselves. The change can be made only by the Holy Spirit. But all who wish to be saved, whether it be high class or low class, rich or poor, this is the thing. We must submit to that working of the, this power. Just as the leaven, when it's mixed with the meal, it works from the inside out. Mm-hmm. The grace of God transform, works to transform the life in the same way from the inside out. But we don't like this, do we? No. We don't. Because, see, I've created who I am, right? And so now I've got to let God come in and recreate me mm-hmm. in a different fashion than, mm-hmm. than what I've cho- My choices were wrong. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing to do is I got to get me out of the way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, I think we've got it all kind of, you know, backwards. Up, right, upside down because yeah. to surrender and to submit are, are good words. Right. But these days you hear the word submission and it's a bad word. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be a bad word to me until I, I recognized that um, it's, a, it's a partnering up. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a being put down under. No, 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 Submission no, no, no. is a yeah, partnering up. Yeah, it, 41 years my way didn't work. Right. I needed to partner up with someone other than myself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because my ideas, my best thinking got me in a world of hurt and got me 25 years of drug addiction. Right. My and if, best thinking. Right. And if there's anybody out there who, you know, has the concept of submission as you're less than or you're put under somebody to... Um, you know, to be taken advantage of that—that's—that's that's not, not a godly what principle. We're talking about no. no, not at all. You have, no. you know, the the spirit does nothing but you know grows us. It doesn't stop us or put us down. It it enhances who we are as people. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's another way that people go about this change too, and that's that's externally trying to trying to mm. do everything externally. And external change uh, alone isn't enough to bring us into harmony with God. You see, people. They'll try to reform by correcting bad habits, hoping to become Christians or hoping to become better people, but they're beginning in the wrong place, actually, because at least from my experience, see, and I, you know, I've said before, I wasn't a problem drinker, I was a problem sober, right? I had a heart problem. Mm -hmm. I was set wrong. I was set wrong against God, and that's simply... Uh, you know, we, we need to be set right. and Right, so the problem, the, the alcohol just intensified the problem. Well, not only intensified <laughs> it, it was the symptom of being set wrong. Right. Right? Uh, you know, the first works with the heart. We need to let God deal with that infection of fear and selfishness. A profession of faith and a change of heart are two different things. I mean, think about this. Think about the people that were trying to trap Jesus. 
Think about them that were following him around and trying to nail him. You ask any one of them. They were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, mm-hmm. right? You ask any Pharisee, do you believe in God? What's he going to say? Yes. Do you study your Bible? What's he going to say? Mm-hmm. You spend time in prayer. What's he going to say? Do you go want to go to heaven? Do you have the truth? Do you obey? He's going to answer yes to each one of those questions, guaranteed. But But is he in a saving, healing relationship with God? That's the question. So what's the difference? Right. See, what's the difference? Because it's a heart change. When he, when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, you need a heart change. Right, because it's a, it can be really deceptive yeah. because just the mere knowledge of truth isn't enough. No. Right, we may have this or we may have that, but our thoughts might not be in harmony with God. Are we self-centered or other-centered? The heart must be converted and sanctified. I, that That's the key, The you know? Um, are we self-centered mm-hmm. or are we other-centered? I, I know for me, when I wake up in the morning, who am I thinking of? Me. Mm-hmm. I'm only thinking of somebody else as long as if they affect me. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I pray, what do I pray about first? Me. Mm-hmm. I pray for somebody else if they may affect me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I, I, you come to grips with how self-centered we really are. At least, you know, I'm right. coming to the... Grips. Right. I mean, that's part of the battle is understanding the problem and then going to God and telling him where it hurts, right. you know? Mm-hmm. I've got this issue, and God, God's going to say, yeah, let me help you with that. Because, yes, you are self-centered. You are a, a five-year-old boy trapped in a 63-year-old body, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so we need, to, we, need to, we need to help you mature. We need to help you grow up. We need to help you to become less self-centered and more other-centered. And then you start to look at life through a whole new lens. You know, everything begins to make sense. You get outside yourself, and that cures the infection of fear and selfishness. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm thinking of me Mm -hmm. and how everything affects me, Mm -hmm. my fears and my insecurities simply grow. Right. But when I'm thinking about you, and I'm thinking about uh, the guys at work, and I'm thinking about the the girls in prison, and I'm thinking about how their lives are going and how I can pray for them and help them, and then I'm outside of myself. Mm-hmm. My fears and my insecurities, they, they dwindle. They're not there. Right. You know? And, and I think this is why Jesus so many times is talking about pray for other people, do this for them, do that for them, uh, help the widows, help the orphans. This is true Christianity. It's going to clean your mind up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, this is a quotation from a book I'm reading, um, and it has a real ring of truth to it. And, I, you know, when something <clears throat> makes sense to me, when something touches me— mm-hmm. um, I, I, I feel compelled to share it, and, and, um, and this can be substantiated by the questions we just asked the Pharisee a few m- moments ago, you know. Uh, in fact, I'm going to read it here. The man who attempts to keep the commandments of go- a God from a sense of obligation merely because he was required to do so will never enter into the joy of obedience. He does not obey. When the requirements of God are accounted a burden because they cut across human inclination, we may know that the life is not a Christian life. True obedience, and here's the leaven part, true obedience is the outworking of a principle within. It springs from the love of righteousness, the love of the law of God, the law of love. The essence of all righteousness is loyalty to our Redeemer. This will lead us to do right because it is right, because right doing is pleasing to God. I really like that. Be the man who attempts to to keep the commandments of God. In other words, to do the right things just because you're obligated to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, are you obligated to to 
you know, I come home and the, and the house is nice and clean and, you know, my laundry's done. Is that from obligation or is that from, you know, from love? For, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't want to ask her. She kind of tilted her head there a little <laughs> bit. Maybe she is obligated to do that. No, it's uh, from a place of, of love. And, you know, right. you, it's, a, it's a partnership that and we have. And it's the right, you know, it's and, the right and thing to see, do. And see, that's, that's where God wants us to be with him in our right. Christian relationship. It's not something that he wants to, like, lord over us. And you know what? Sometimes as... Uh, you know, learning Christians, sometimes we need to well, have the heavy hand. Cattle pride, yeah, you right. bet. But God ultimately wants us to mature, just like Paul talks about growing into the, growing up into the faith. Yeah. And to be, you know, to recognize that it is a cooperation between us and God, that our, our growth and our, our um, sphere of influence and our, you know, what we have and what God has put in our hearts is something that it's part of the relationship. It's not just a list of things to do and things not to do. It's it's who we are as people, who, yeah. you know, how we mature. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 the other day we were cutting wood and, and I got this, I got this cut on my hand mm-hmm. and, and it was looking, you know how the skin around a cut kind of gets a little red and looks a little like infected and stuff. And so, you know, what do you suppose I did? I scrubbed it really good, right? Mm-hmm. And I scrubbed it really good, and then the next day I scrubbed it again, and and you know what? Lo and behold, I'm looking at it now, and it's almost completely healed. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my, you know, I didn't heal it, right? I did not heal it. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. That growth comes from within, right? Right. But what was my job? To keep it clean. To keep it clean. Right. Right. Yes. My job is to keep it clean. That's all. And 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 f- spiritually, folks, that is our job. The growth is a miracle. We don't do the growth, but our job is to keep it clean. What goes in our eyes, what goes in our ears, what goes in our mouth, keep it clean. Mm-hmm. And I like the, what you said, that the growth is a miracle, because it talks just uh, the same thing when Christ was talking to Nicodemus. He said, Very, verily, verily, I say unto you that except a man be born from above, he can't see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you that you must be born again, because the wind blows where it goes, and you can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell from where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone who is born by the Spirit. That's it's, in John 3. It's amazing, because you can you just see the, the workings. You see the results, if you will, right? Right. Yeah, you can't see the wind, but you can see the results. And remember the Apostle Paul uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, said, For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. It's like the parable states, the Holy Spirit works like yeast. What are words? They're, S- they're symbols. symbols of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. What is leaven? Susan, you ever break bread? I have. What's leaven? Leaven, you put leaven into, it's either the yeast or the baking soda, baking powder, and makes it grow from within. So it's that outward, outside substance that you put into something and then it grows. Yeah, exactly. And um, the leaven hidden in the flour works invisibly to bring the whole mass under its power. Under its process. That's right. So the leaven of truth works secretly, silently, steadily to transform a person. The natural inclinations are softened and subdued, and new thoughts and new feelings, new motives are implanted. A new standard of character is set up, the life of Christ. Yeah, you know, the, and the, the mind's changed. We're not endowed with new faculties, but the faculties that we have are sanctified. 
and you know, sanctified just simply means to be set aside for a newer and better purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a waking up of the conscience, if you will. We're endowed with traits of character that now enable us to be in better service for God. Right. Have you ever asked a question, and you know, you look around, and why are so there's so many people of us, so many of us that, you know, we claim to be believe God's word, yet you know the character there's no there's really no improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't handle uh, I we can't handle op- opposition to our ideas and our plans. Sometimes we'll manifest an ugly temper. Um, sometimes we let out cruel words, and sometimes we're overbearing. You know, right? Um, so, so what's the thing? It's because we ca- we can claim to believe God's word, and yet we have the same love of self, the mm-hmm, same mm-hmm. selfish practices, the same temper the same hasty, sarcastic tones of speech as a non-Christian, yeah, we, but yet we claim that we are Christian right. and we, we are new people. Same sensitive pride, you know, yielding to natural inclinations. Um, and you, it's, I know for me, I think the key is that knowing we have a problem. You know what I'm saying? I think the key for me is knowing that that I have a problem. Right, because a lot of times I think we have those natural and and tendencies that we cultivate of evil, and they haven't been brought under the under God's love and loving transforming power. Mm-hmm. And so there's the absence of the grace of Christ. And um, yeah, it, you know, we just sometimes don't believe in God's power to change us. To tra- yeah, to transform us. And and you know, you want to see transfer transformation do prison ministry or go to an aa meeting and work with someone that knows they have a problem i need see because i know for me um my pain doesn't come from change it comes from my resistance to change Mm -hmm. and see that's why i need to go to the doctor so i continue to go to the doctor and that and and you of course the understanding jesus is a great physician um and the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You know, God will save anyone that wants to live in harmony with the way he does things. Remember it says in Second Peter 3, 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And what is repentance? What is repentance? What are words? Symbols of ideas, right? What's repentance? It's a change in the very being. In Ezekiel 14, 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, repent and turn yourselves from your idols, turn away your faces from all your abominations. It's an action word, not a feeling. It's an action word, not a feeling. Right. Right? Absolutely. And the scriptures are a great help, helper into transformation of our character because Christ prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy, tr- thy word is truth. Thy word is thy truth. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's John seventeen seventeen. So the Holy Spirit does come and convict of sin. But at first again, what are, what are words? Symbols of ideas. So if it's going to convict us of sin, what is sin? And I, 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 this is my favorite um, definition of sin. Sin is seeking a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. You know, it's okay. A legitimate need is love, but an illegitimate way would be adultery to seek love in an illegitimate way. You know, mm-hmm. you, it's okay to have possessions, It's okay, but it's not okay to steal them. That's right. the illegitimate way. So it's a legitimate need to have them. So anyway, you know, or sin is the exploitation of others for selfish gain. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus says, I love you so much. 
well, sin is transgression of the law of love. Mm-hmm. And it's so that they're polar opposites. Jesus says, I love you so much, I'll give my life for you that you might live. We say, I love myself so much that I will take your life that I might live. In other words, Christ says, I will die that you might live. We say, I will kill you that I might live. Polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Polar opposites. Right. Seeking so, to save self at the expense of somebody else. Yes, exactly. You know what? We're going to have to run here real soon. Well, we so, have the book. Yeah, um, we have the book. So please call or drop us a line or send us an email at uh, com, and um, we'll get a book out to yeah, you. Yeah, we'll get a book out to you. Um, and just remember, you know, it's a, it's a heart change that we're talking about, and God does the work, and really, our job is to keep it clean. Right. Well, remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.